It's so good to be right here, making friends, seeing old friends, reconnecting. I love it. I love it. There's something so spiritual about that time when we get to connect with each other and show some, some love to one another. And we're so thankful you're here, excited about Fathom and what God's doing this, uh, this month. It's just, we've got an exciting rest of our, our month planned and uh, it's been an exciting time. So we're so thankful you're here. If you're a guest and you're just checking us out, looking around, sniffing us out to see if this is a good fit for your life and your family, uh, we pray that it is. We pray that it feels like a, a place that you can grow in your faith, you can grow in family. Uh, that's what it's all about, to be able to love God and love one another. That's, Jesus said everything else hangs on that. If we can't do that, uh, we're missing it. And so that's, uh, that's our mission. And so we're thankful you're here, thankful to bring you along the journey. If you're watching online, listening, driving down the road, there's a huge Fathom fam out there and uh, love them. And so thankful you're uh, connecting with us today, wherever you're at, in a hospital or a bedroom laid up sick. We're so thankful that you're uh, hanging out with us, even driving down the road, some of you. So uh, if you were with us last week, we got kicked off on a brand new series called Legacy. Legacy, that's kind of a big word. It's not like letter-wise, but just the idea of legacy is a little bit intimidating. Uh, But last week, I I, I talked to you a little bit about bees, and you got more information on bees than what you've gotten in a very long time. And and that bees live these very short lives of incredible purpose, incredible meaning. And in many ways, not in many ways, yeah, in many ways, um, their existence is declining, and it's a threat to our, our uh, society and, and, and world that we live in. Um, but, but God has called us uniquely, like the, each of the bees have their own purpose, called us together, like with the bees, they have this incredible purpose to, to carry on, to forage, and to help the hive continue, because it, it really helps us survive. They're a huge part of how we survive. So we kind of got that started last week, and, and we talked about how, how it's all of our responsibility, every single one of us, to be able to pass on what we have, what's gifted within us to the next generation, the faith that is within us to the next generation, not just our children, but every single person in this generation to carry on the good news and the gospel. Uh, And today, I want to talk to you about giftedness and particularly on spiritual gifts. So it'll take me a few minutes to get there where we start talking about that. Um, But that's where we're going today. Uh, Anybody ever watch the show Antique Roadshow? Yes? Some fans. There's not usually a lot of enthusiasm around Antique Roadshow, or any PBS show for that matter, unless it's uh, Downton Abbey. There's a lot of passion around Downton Abbey. Um, But it's the opposite of energy. If you watch it, it's literally one of the most boring shows on television. Um, I like it and I watch it, um, but you've got to be into antiques and you've got to be into to that sort of thing. So they came here not too long ago. And if you don't know anything about the premise of the show, it's like real reality. Like they put no effort into producing this and making it super entertaining. It's just raw. Like what happens, happens. And so um, uh, I, I remember uh, just to kind of set you up for the premise of the show is basically they, they go to town, certain cities, they'll come to Jacksonville. And people will bring random things that are antiques in their life, old blankets, random paintings that they got passed down from grandma, random hutches from great-grandmother, and they bring them in, and they've always wondered if it had value. Someone said it had value, and they weren't sure. So they bring 
bring it in, and some of them walk away very disappointed, and some of them walk away elated because these things had, had much greater value than what they ever realized. Um, so years ago, I was watching the show, um, and there was this one episode, and this woman, she tells the story to an appraiser, and the appraiser will tell them what it's actually worth. And, and so he asked, how did you come about this? That kind of sets up the story. And so this woman went to a yard sale. She was a yard seller. Is there any, like, yard sale people in the house? Like, I love yard sales. Like, find, and it's Antique Roadshow. Like, you want a, a big find. Um, some of you guys, like, watch Storage Wars. It's kind of the same idea. Um, but with way more drama and way more production. Um, so uh, th- th- this woman came, she went to a yard sale. She picked up this, I forget if it was, if it was a dresser or an armoire. We'll call it an armoire because I just like saying that word. Armoire, it just sounds fancy, you know? Um, so she bought this armoire for like 20 or 30 bucks and she, she couldn't take it right home. So she said, hey, can I leave it here for, for a few days, because here's the deal. My husband hates that I do this. He hates that I go to all these yard sales and I collect all these things. And, and there's, he, sa- he says, there's no room in our house. You can't bring anything else in. And so if she's going to bring it into her house, she has to sneak it in. It's an armoire. Like, how are you going <laughs> to sneak in the armoire? So she left it on this carport for several days. And eventually she would go back. She'd get a friend to help her load it. She'd put it on her back porch and she had to wait for the right time and the right spot to sneak this into her house. So it sits on the carport for a few days, sits on her back porch for a few days out in the elements. Eventually she brings it in when her husband's away and hides it somewhere. I don't know how you hide an armoire, but she did. Um, Well, her friend that had helped her kind of facilitate sneaking it in was talking to someone about this, um, you know, who's like a furniture collector apparently. And she was talking to the individual, and uh, this gentleman uh, ended up calling her a couple of days. She's like, hey, can I get her number? Um, and, and so he called her, and he asked, hey, so what type of armoire is that? Is there a name on it? And so uh, she, she goes, and she reads it, and she reads some name that she'd never heard of, and she shares it with the guy, and he's like, interesting. He's like, that, that sounds like a piece I would be interested in. I would be willing to offer you $2,000 for this. And she was like, wait a second, like, do I just spend 30 bucks on it? That's it? It's been sitting down the elements and somebody wants to offer me. She's like, well, I just got it. I haven't had it that long. I'm just going to hang on to it. Well, um, like two years passes and this guy calls back and this time he offers her more money. And she's like, there's something up here. And she had tried to figure out the value of this and couldn't really find much. I think this was before the internet was what it is today in many uh, ways. And so um, she uh, eventually brings it to the appraiser thinking that this has some value, but I just don't know how much. It sounds like it's got something. Someone's interested in paying me good money for it. Well, she goes in and, and they, uh, they, she tells that whole story and the appraiser says, uh, you are on a very special piece of furniture that you have found at this yard sale. This is a major, this is a major find that this is like a, a, one of the original pieces from this uh, Boston company that was, you know, long founded, you know, in late 1800s or something. This is one of the original masterpieces uh, before they became what they are. This is worth like $300,000. Like it was just massive. And I heard this, I mean, it was incredible. And there's this other story about this guy who was, who was actually disabled and going through a difficult time. And his mom had passed away and his sister and his aunt had gone through the house and rummaged and, and taken everything. And they left just a few trash bags of stuff they didn't want. And he was left with the, the, the leftover trash bags of, of mom's stuff. And, 
And um, in that was this Navajo blanket that he thought was cool, but he was like, eh, I've seen it my whole life. It's been in the house and didn't think it was worth anything. For whatever reason, he ends up bringing this to Antique Roadshow, this Navajo blanket, and it ends up being valued at $1 million. $1 million, this random blanket that's been sitting on his mom's couch his whole life and it was in a trash bag getting ready to go. And it was such a blessing for this guy because he was disabled and going through a tough time and it really gave him a new uh, lease on life and and uh, as I was just preparing for the message today to speak on giftedness, I, I really thought of those stories of how often we have these incredible gifts living within our homes, and, and we're, we don't even realize it. We don't even realize what we have possession of. Um, and so I hope to be an appraiser for you today and just tell you, you have incredible gifts. You have incredible things in your possession, in who you are, that God has supernaturally gifted you for the helping of others. And I think for some of you, if you'll grab a hold of this, say, I believe it's going to give you a new, new lease on life, just like that gentleman, a new perspective on the body of Christ and how we are all fit together. So I want to lean into Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. So if you want to flip in your Bibles or turn in your app, <laughs> open up your phone, make it look at your face and open up. And then we're going to read verses 11 through uh, 16, Ephesians chapter 4. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There will then will no longer be like infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we're going to grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That's Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. Um, I, I'm excited to talk about this text, and I, I want to talk about spiritual gifts, but before we do, I think it's important that we talk about uh, spiritual authority and spiritual leadership, because that's something we see within this text, and it's, it's intricately woven as we uh, read this text. It's important that we understand our need for spiritual leadership and godly leadership and spiritual authority in our lives, and this text tells us what that is, because I just want you to know that it's essential in our life for the growth of us as an individual and the growth of the body, according to this text. And so there's several things that right in the text we see that why God has given us spiritual leaders. So let's go ahead and look at them. God gives leaders in our life, spiritual leaders. One, first of all, they're given by Christ. They're given by God. It's a gift from God. Um, secondly, it's given to us, the body, the church. Thirdly, to equip. He, 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 we're given, they're given to equip his people for works of service, to help us grow, to help us develop. And, and, and fourthly here, uh, spiritual leaders are given to bring the church into unity, to bring the church into a greater knowledge of the Son of God and into maturity in Christ. And so if you just leave that up there for a second, if we don't have spiritual leaders in our life, or if we don't have uh, a submission to spiritual authority where we can receive what they are pouring in, then what's probably going to happen, according to the text, is we're not going to be able to discern right from wrong many times. 
teachers. We're not going to have teachers. We're not going to have prophets to, to, to show us that. And we're going to talk and teach through that here in just a moment. But if we, we don't have those things in our life, then how, how can we become the mature body of Christ? If we're not connected to the body, how can we do our part? How can we grow into maturity and be the fullness of Christ? Uh, th- there's a lot of hate and thrown on the church and and a lot of people have had really bad experiences. In fact, I, I'm guessing all of you have been hurt by the church in some way, shape, or form. If you've been here for longer than a minute, somebody hurts you. <laughs> it just happens because we're people, and the, ter- the church is broken and flawed in so many ways, and we're all in different places in our journey. But I love the church so deeply. Not this church. I love the church, the global church, so deeply. It's my family. God is my father, and the church is my mother, just raising me up in the Lord. Like, where would I be without the body of Christ? And it's such a beautiful thing to be able to travel around the world and walk into to all kinds of churches in which I can't speak their language, and I, I don't know all their history, and I don't even have relationships with them, but I know I'm at home. I know I'm with the body of believers, and like, we're, we're connected by one thing, and it's Jesus Christ. Jesus believes in the church so much. We know that Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus is the hope of the world. Jesus said in in, uh, John, he said, I'm the light of the world. But in Matthew, he looks to the church and he says, you're the light of the world. So Jesus is the hope of the world, but so is the church. Jesus is the hope of the world, but so are you. And so am I. We're we're the hope of the world. (laughs) because of Jesus, and that what is he has commissioned us to. So I love, I love the church, and a lot of people want, want Jesus. They want to take the head and, like, forget the body. No, like, no, you, you got to have the whole thing. It goes together. You, you can't host the groom without also hosting the bride, and that is his church. And so if you, you want to love and be like Jesus, then love the church because he died and gave himself for the church. And I'm not talking about our church. I'm not talking about this small gathering. I'm talking about the body of believers around the world. That's what he has knit us into. There's so many things that come out of this, but we've got to understand spiritual authority because our spiritual giftedness falls under authority. In fact, we, and it falls under the, the, uh, the gifting of a bo- the body of Christ. Uh, and under the, the authority of the body of Christ. So I want to talk through these, these five roles that Jesus places, these five leadership roles, and, and we're going to move into spiritual gifts in just a moment, but it's really important. In fact, I would gather for most of you in the room, you probably never heard this taught on at all, these five roles, which are sometimes called the, uh, the, the five-fold ministry is what, it, what it's called. Uh, and the reality is that sometimes this is um, a, a few people in a church or a handful of people or much larger uh, in much larger um, congregations uh, that God has given to the local body to raise us up, to equip us so that we can walk in unity and knowledge into full maturity in the body of Christ. Um, uh, the first is the apostle. You guys can go ahead and throw up all the definitions, and this will help us kind of think through and understand these. These are just my like short little descriptions that uh, don't really do it justice. But uh, the role of the apostle, some people think that the apostles are those that were just in the scripture. People really believe that. There's really no scriptural evidence. In fact, af- after those first 12 uh, apostles, there was other people who were considered apostles. And what we see in the role of the apostle in the scriptures is that God has given them to the church to help strengthen 
strategically expand the kingdom, usually through starting new ministries, through starting new churches and missions around the world. That's the a role of an apostle. And so um, that's the, the role of the apostle. And they provide oversight and strategic vision of moving things forward. Mo- moving forward. Um, they're, they're spiritual architects in many ways, wise builders. In fact, any church... Um, that you've seen any movement or denomination that you've ever been a part of, there was, a, there was an apostle that somebody gave a vision to, that gave a dream to, for a city, for a region, for a nation, and, and, and that, per, that was sent by God. In fact, the, the literal meaning for uh, an apostle means to be sent with a message, that God has given them a very specific purpose to go and live that, a very specific message to that community or that group. It could be large, it could be small, but they're expanding the kingdom of God. Visionary leaders bring in direction to the church. The prophets um, uh, bring timely words of warning and encouragement. Uh, the prophets the ones a lot of times get a, a bad rap because you've seen um, kind of weird versions of it or it just scares you. Like people are always trying to predict the future or something. These people are like, know the future. And the fact is that God does reveal to people things that are to come. He does, and some of the role of a prophet can be predictive, uh, but it's, it can be equally as much corrective, that we're correcting things that we see now. In fact, if we look through um, the, the scriptures, we have lots of prophets. Uh, they're called minor prophets and major prophets just because of the length of the books, but those prophets in the Bible, God sent there to, to bring predict, predictive warnings, predictive encouragement to, to help them before, they, before it actually happened, to bring correction, and to bring direction. Um, and, and they're always very closely associated with uh, an apostle. Um, uh, and, and then there's the evangelist, that they're called and their function is to expand and to reach the unreached, to, to reach non-believers with the gospel. It's that simple. Whatever ministry they're part of, if it's an individual ministry of just their life, or if it's a part with, with a ministry within the church, or just the calling of their life, there's the evangelist. They're frontiers in the kingdom of God to go and to spread the gospel in our everyday uh, lives, the, the pastor is probably the one you're most familiar with. And it's, and it's funny because a lot of local pastors uh, aren't really gifted as pastors very well. Some of them are actually probably more teachers or, or maybe they feel more passionate about evangelism. And, and we just kind of throw a title of pastor because they're in oversight. And that, that's really the heart of, of a pastor is to provide spiritual oversight and authority over a local congregation, over the well-being of a community, both the spiritual health and the community aspects and that unity uh, that we were just talking about. And then the fifth is the teacher. And, and some people will actually say it's fourfold ministry that the pastor and teacher are, are connected um, intricately, and they are. Uh, but the teacher is given by God to instruct and to educate us in, in the Word of God. And so none of these roles, none of these leaders have greater significance than the other. They're called by God to help build the body up. And as you think through those, it's like, we can't do without any of those. I need all of those in my life. We need all of those in the body of Christ. And they're all valued in a a very deep way. Uh, One commentator actually helped to to understand uh, this a a little kind of simply. It talked about it like the hand, like the fivefold ministry is like the hand that the thumb is the apostle who can can bring oversight and vision to each one of the fingers and to reach each one of the roles. Uh, The prophet is always close to 
um, the, the apostle to be able to provide wisdom and insight into uh, what God is, is doing. The evangelist is the most far reaching of them because of its length. We would use the middle finger there. It's the far reaching of the gospel. And then the ring finger is used, um, it can be seen as uh, the pasture, the, where, the, where the ring would go is to provide commitment and care over the local body. And then the teacher, of course, would be the pinky that provides balance so that we're never tossed back and forth, that there's a sense of balance. So I, always thought, I just thought that was a, a unique kind of way in order to remember the functions. And it really doesn't matter the, the role, it, it's working together to build up the body of Christ and we need them. Uh, in our, our life. So it's not a matter of importance. It's a matter of function. What are they called to do? Um, and, and, and we need these uh, in our life. And I would just say there are people who are called into these things but are not a very Christ-like version of that authority and that leadership. Um, and I'm not throwing shade, but you've probably been around some of those. Uh, at times you may look at me and be like, he's not being very Christ-like. And the reality is there's probably days, in fact, there are days in which I'm not being very Christ-like. And, and, and so the reality is that we want to find spiritual leaders and authorities that look like Christ, people that serve like Christ, that have the heart like Christ does to serve and to build up the body. So now that we've talked a little bit about spiritual authority, we know that, hey, I need that. Like the body needs that. Uh, let's talk about spiritual gifts because those things will fall under um, a, a minister, a, a leader, a spiritual authority in which um, we can use and build up our gifts and learn and grow within. So let's talk spiritual gifts. The, the Greek word for spiritual gifts is the, the Greek word charismata, which is, sounds interesting, but it's really just two words that are kind of smushed together. It's a conjunction in Greek, and it's the Greek word charis and the Greek word mata put together, and it basically means grace gifts. Charis means grace, mata means gifts, so grace gifts. So God gives us the gift of salvation, but that's not the only gift he gives us. He gives us the gift of the Spirit, and he gives us the gift of the body of Christ, and he gives us spiritual gifts that, are, that help us uh, contribute and build up the body to do this. Because it's not, we need spiritual leaders, we need spiritual authority, but all of us have significance in the body of Christ every single one of us, and it's working together for his glory. So, so what are spiritual gifts? Okay, grace gifts, but it's a supernatural gift. It's, it's like beyond like normal in your life operating. And if you read up just a few verses, the scripture tells us that God has apportioned to every single one of us a gift. A, a spiritual gift. For each one of us, he has given us a special grace. It will often be translated a special grace in our life. So it's a supernatural gift, but it's also given for the good of the body. Some of you will be familiar. In fact, if you're reading on your app, is anybody reading the Bible on app today? All right, cool. A couple of you raising your hand. So that you version that you're probably reading from um, was created by a guy named Bobby Grunwald. And Bobby Grunwald, when he, between the ages of 19 and 23, he developed two major tech companies and sold them both. The second one he sold for a lot of money to Goldman Sachs by 23, right? We're slacking on our lives. He was so like making companies and selling companies. And, and he just had this incredible innovative mind. And, and he, he got saved and, and really um, began to, to follow Jesus. And, and he got connected to Life Church uh, under the leadership, the spiritual authority, the apostle that is Craig Groeschel out in Oklahoma. 
And, and Craig saw this gift in him. He saw this gift that was in him. And, and um, he, he, he brings him on staff. And he, he, after he sells this business, he's like, hey, man, would you consider working at a church? He's like, I literally in my whole life have never thought about doing something like that. But he was intrigued with it and knew that God was in it. So he stepped into this role. And now he's got like a fancy title of like a leader of innovation or something like that. Like, but anyway, he, he, he goes in and he's there and he's positioning his gifts to be able to use and build up the body. And, and he's understanding that, hey, I, I'm having a trouble like really staying in my word. I, I, my life is really on the go. And, and, and I feel like I could help a lot of people if I could figure out a way to get this to them. And he thought of this website that would have all the scriptures and all these translations and commentaries and devotionals. And, and that started as a website and later turned into an app that is on 330 million phones now. But it's this guy who never in his wildest imagination would have said, yeah, like I want to put my life into the kingdom or especially work at a church. But he had this gift, this like this really supernatural gift. If you've watched their, their ministry of, of innovating and creativity and like that's not listed in the scriptures. You really won't see like the gift of creativity among the gift of administration. But, but God is so creative and he's still creating creative gifts inside of each one of us that can be used uh, and can be leveraged to build up the body of Christ and to push the kingdom forward. It's amazing how God has given. So th- there's probably 20, 25 different things that are listed in the scripture, but I, I don't even think God's held to, to, to just that. I, I think that some people could like kind of force some things, but we see how God is redeeming these gifts in our lives for his glory. And I can't help but look at things and be like, that's supernatural. God's using it in a significant way. Oftentimes I, I find though that people miss the second part when we talk about spiritual gifts because it's given for the purpose of serving the body. Yes, we can use these gifts of, say you have a gift of mercy, and like you're just so compassionate, and like you are moved, and it doesn't matter who you drive by on the road, you're just crying about them, and like you're just emotional, you're thinking about them, like what's their story, what's their life, and you know, when somebody's telling you their life story, everybody else is annoyed and walking away, and, and you're like really into it, and like that's supernatural, because everybody doesn't do that, there is something to that, it's probably a gift of mercy in your life. But what I've found is that oftentimes people make the gifts about themselves. Like people who are passionate about teaching uh, and they just love teaching and, and, and they make the teaching about them. And so, so, so when people don't show up or, 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 or people, you know, cancel on them, they're like, oh man, like I, man, they're not going to hear me. You know, I did all this work and they forget, no, I'm here to serve people. I'm here to serve people. I, 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 I'm, I'm compassionate, and I, I want to pour into these people that are here, people that um, you know, uh, have a, a calling or a gifting for evangelism and missions and, and, and love to travel the world, but they make it about them. It's, like, it's actually about their travels, and, and, and it's so easy to kind of get off track and make the gift about us. And we miss it. And what I've found is that people, when someone is gifted in the area, spiritually gifted, but they make it about them, people will be impressed by their gift, but not transformed by their gift. Because they've made it about them. So all the attention is here. But when it's about them and the gift is about pouring into other people, there's something supernatural that's released. And, and, and it's not supernatural just sitting in your head. It's when it's released that it, that it moves from natural to supernatural because between here and here and our lips and when we release it, God makes it super. 
It, it feels so natural within us. It's just a thought. It's just an idea. But then God pu- puts his grace through it uh, as it's released, and, and it's super natural. So let's don't make it about us. Uh, there, there's so much. I feel like I could teach on this for, for weeks, um, but I, I just want to give you some kind of random thoughts. I, they're not super organized. That is just some, some teaching I want to give you around spiritual gifts, and I pray that it can be a blessing in your life today. Um, that the first is that passion will help direct your giftedness. Passion will help directed your, direct your giftedness passion is that area that we get really excited about or really frustrated about or really sad about. We're emotionally connected because oftentimes uh, our, our passion comes out of pain or it comes out of an experience in which <laughs> I'm, I'm standing here because of pain and an experience that I lived in which I saw so many of my friends saying, I want a relationship with God, but those church folks I'm done with. I'm done with them. And so I'm standing here because that the church and building up the church, that people would fathom and understand what the church is really about and would fall in love with the church once again. That's why I'm standing here. It became a passion for me. And so it comes out of experience, comes out of pain in some way, shape, or form. But it can help us direct our gift. Like I said, every single one of you has a gift. You have, may have multiple gifts, in fact. Um, you don't have all the gifts. <laughs> you don't have all the gifts. But the Holy Spirit does. They're gifts of the Spirit, and God redeems those natural gifts and uses them for his glory. But passion does not equal giftedness. So you could be passionate about students. David and Sophia are over here pouring into our students. You could be passionate about it and not be gifted towards it, and it ain't going to go well, you know? So you could be passionate about something, but your gift may be, I don't know, let's say administration or like the organizing, behind-the-scenes stuff, and and well, I, maybe my passion is leading me towards to pour into the next generation, but my giftedness says this probably needs to be my function. This probably needs to be my role. So passion can help direct it. And, and most, almost every time, if, if you're moving into an area of ministry, a lot of times um, that person who is leading that, who is a spiritual authority over that department or that ministry or that you're serving under, they're probably gifted in one or, or a couple of those five functions. They may be an apostle who started it. They, they may be someone who really has a passion for evangelism. So they just want to go out and they just want to reach every student they can. Uh, they may be someone who's just passionate about the teaching set. They, it doesn't matter what you call them. You call the title what you want. They're probably gifted and called and their function is actually one or two elements of that. And the body of Christ comes around them. And then oh, but there's somebody else there. Their spouse is the administrative one and they're the visionary. And so God brings us together. And so you, you fall up under that covering of that person. So it helps direct your passionate. So uh, I would just ask you, like, what are you passionate about? Like, what has God stirred in your soul? What makes you sad? What makes you so excited to be a part? When's the last time you just like, this is amazing. I want to pour my life into this. That's probably some direction for you. The the second thing is, you know, God has given these leaders to equip the church, to equip the church. And equipping is a process. Hobbyists know this. Like any hobbyists, serial hobbyists. Is there some serial hobbyists in the room? Um, so some of you will know I'm a I'm a hobbyist um, 
woodworker. Um, some people like, you're a professional. I'm like, I promise you, I know enough to know. I'm, not, I'm very much a hobbyist. And, uh, but when I started with our table six years ago, Taryn wanted this table that she saw in some DIY on HGTV, I'm sure. And some of like, it's so easy. And, um, and so I'm like, I'll try it because it was cheaper. And that sounded good to me. And I feel like I could convince her that, hey, if you want me to do this, then I have to buy this this tool for it. So it was a good excuse for me to get the tool. And so I got the tool. And every single time that someone would ask us to build something, I would get a new tool. I would get new equipment. And and the same thing with you. Say if your gift is evangelism or whatever your ministry might be, the the gift that's in your life, whatever that might look like, as you kind of do a project and you you lean into that, there's new equipment that you're going to get through that. You're going to learn to communicate. You're going to understand your fit within that. It is a process of our entire lives, that we're being equipped to be a part, and we're able to be more useful in the body of Christ. It's a huge part of it. Um, the third thing is um, that there are seasons for your gift. There, your season will go, your gift will go through certain seasons. I was actually doing a lot of research. I was talking with Andrew um, yesterday just about these stages that bees go through, that worker bees are going through certain stages in their life. I, I won't give you all the research that I spent an hour reading on, but just, just they, they have like one stage. I mean, they have lived very short lives, you know, but in the first three days, they're cleaning out the cells. And, and like the first stage is like, let's clean everything out and make room for new bees. And then they go into this nursing and serving in which they're like carrying off dead bodies. I mean, they're just like the, the more, they're like, let's get all the dead bees as far away as we can. And they go into this stage called a fanning stage where they're keeping, like just serving the needs of the queen and keeping everything the right temperature, hot or cool, whatever needs to be done. Then a nectar transfer. There's all these stages. I won't bore you with any more of them. And the same thing with our, our gift. Like there's stages and seasons to our spiritual gifts. I'll break it into three. There's more stages than this. I'll, I'll just kind of give it to you real simple today. The first is the discovery phase. Like, and some of you are in this phase like, Pastor, I have zero clue. I have zero clue what my gift is. I love to use it because I, I, and I'll tell you, I want you to use it, one, because I'll be better, you'll be better, your neighbor will be better. You'll fall in love with who God has created you to be. There's certain things about your personality that you think are weird, you think are wrong, you think you're all jacked up. God has created you uniquely for a reason. He's put gifts inside of your life for a reason, and it can be used in the body of Christ. So it's powerful to come to discover it, to find unexpectedly or on a search. And so maybe today, if nothing else, you're like, hey, I'm just going to search. I'm going to read in the scriptures. I'm going to talk to some spiritual leaders and kind of understand what my gift is. Our DNA session two, which happens today right after service, uh, where we'll guide you through that process. We want to help you understand what your gift is. Uh, the second one is a, is a development season. You go through a development season. That's really, I mean, the, the literal definition for develop is to become more mature. Like, could it be more scriptural than that? To become more mature. That's the, the, the next stage we go into. Okay, I know what it is. Now I need to become more mature in this. Because you may have a gift of prophecy, but you're like, I have zero clue what that means. And then you start out as a really immature prophet. And some may people, even in the early stages, may say they're a false prophet because they tried to tell me something and it was so off. And that doesn't mean necessarily that they're even a false prophet. They're just an immature one. Maybe they do actually have a gifting for that, but they're just in so early in the infantile stages that they get it wrong more than they get it right. And that's part uh, of the process. This is the equipping process that frankly goes on our whole life. 
Just like with the bees, like some of their stages and phases are overlapped. They're, they're doing multiple things at different times that within a day. Uh, the same thing in our life. As you're discovering, you can be picking up equipment. And the final uh, one is the deployment season. And, and the, the definition to deploy means to bring into effective action, to utilize the gift. And I think you can, you can stay in that development um, uh, season of your ministry and your life uh, at the same time that you're bringing it into effective action. You're deploying that gift. It was actually really uh, amazing uh, yesterday uh, or this weekend. We, we replaced all the floors in, in our, our two kids' buildings, and we had uh, some gentlemen uh, here today, a few of you guys who, who served and helped, and thank you guys so much for your help. You're amazing. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, but what I was just smiling at, knowing what I was teaching on this weekend, is it hit me as we were doing it. There was these three, three men uh, who are, are all relatively uh, new within the body of Christ, have gone through our DNA sessions. And through that process, what popped up on their thing uh, was the gift of a craftsman. And, and here, these, these three guys were coming, and they were using those gifts. They were putting it into practice. They were bringing, they were deploying the gifts, and we were learning through the process, learning to work for uh, with each other. But uh, at the same time, it, it was put into practice and utilized. And praise God for that. Just coming in and and jumping in. Uh, the fourth thing is that prominence doesn't equal significance. You probably heard me teach on this a lot. That prominence doesn't equal significance. It does not matter the role or the function. It, it, you should be far more concerned with your gift being used than your gift being seen. Be far more interested in your gift being used than your gift being um, seen. And so there's a lot, lot of places within the body of Christ in which it just doesn't get seen. It doesn't get recognized. Like this, this gift is glorified, but frankly, it's no more honorable than any other gift that's in your life that does not get seen on a weekly basis on a stage. This does. For whatever reason, it, you know, get that kind of look or of honor or whatever, but, the, but all, all the gifts are to be honored and their significance in every single one of them, regardless of prominence, so we can find significance in it. And the, the final thing, and the band can come, and I'm going to close, is there is a special grace um, to utilize your gift. There's a special grace for it that, that you have to, to put it into practice. That it, it's it's not something that you're meant to, to sit on. I, I read in an article just recently that was actually from a long time ago. It was like from 10 years ago, but I just read it. And um, the, the title of the article, the headline of the t- article was um, The Greatest Enemy of Our Lives, question mark. What's the greatest enemy of our lives? you're sitting on it. You're sitting on it. The greatest enemy, and this whole article was about how, uh, like, sitting disease is a thing that, uh, like, I think the average American sits 56 hours a week. Like, we sit there, we look at our phones. I mean, just think about how many things right now, sitting right where you're at, you can do from your phone. You can call for a pizza, you can watch a movie, you can check in on old friends, and you didn't move, you can sit right there. And so we live in this generation in which they have a term for that now, and it's you get sitting disease, that we sit there so much. And, and I was just thinking about that, how often, just like th- those people from Antiques Roadshow who, who this whole time, man, they were sitting on something so valuable and of such great worth. This is an enemy in our lives that, that 
We understand what it is, but we don't utilize it. We don't bring it into effective action. We're sitting on a gift in our life that can be used to build up the body of Christ. If we go back to Ephesians 4, um, just one verse that I want to read, verse 4, it says, There's one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope, and you were called, uh, when you were called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all through all and in all. There is oneness in that. The ending of that text we read earlier is that every supporting ligament is necessary. And it's allowing us to grow in love and it's allowing us to be built up. And so maybe you're here and you're in the discovery phase. Like, I'm just trying to figure this out, Pastor. Like, I'd love to help. Like, and, I, and I'm not talking about like a serve team role. I'm talking about you understanding your gift that is in your life that God has given you a special grace for that you can operate in regardless of like function or role or teams or any of this. I'm, that. That you understand and you comprehend it that you can build up the body of Christ because you have a calling on your life. You have a gift within you and you're sitting on it. It's so valuable to the body. I need it. The whole body uh, needs it today. I'm going to ask you to stand. I want to pray with you, um, but we're going to end in a, in a unique way today, and I'm going to invite you to the, the Lord's Supper and to the table here in just a few moments. As I just read that, there's one baptism and one Lord who's over all and through all and in all. I'm reminded of the Lord's Supper. I'm reminded that this cup that we have today was poured from one uh, from one gallon or whatever it was that, uh, that the bread or crackers or matzah crackers that we have today, we're all probably on some big, even in our modern technology, off some big assembly line that were probably big things and then they cut them and it, it all came from one, one batch. And all, and all of our uniqueness and all of our differences, we're all, we're all one. It, it looks like we may be separated because you're going to go to your house and you're going to go to your house and the other church will get out at this time and the other church does music like this and, and, it, and, it look, and it looks like we're separated but what the scripture says, no, no, no. No, we're all one. There's one baptism. There's one spirit. There is one Lord who is over all and in all and through all. And what joy is that? That we're one element of that. That we play a part. And, and when we come and, and we partake in the Lord's Supper, what we do is we remind ourselves of Jesus Christ, of his body that was broken for us, his blood that was poured out for us. But I think also this morning we walk away like, thank you, God, for knitting me into this and connecting me to this body. God, may, may I walk in unity. May I grow in maturity that I would be a supporting ligament for your church. You love your church. I'm going to love your church like you do. God, thank you for, for weaving me into the fabric of your family. It's a beautiful picture today. God, I thank you so much for your love and your grace. God, I thank you for a calling, for a gifting on every single individual that's in this room today. There is a grace that has been portioned to them. God, help us. No matter what season we're in, no matter what phase we're in, God, would we just be able to take the necessary steps to utilize it, to become more mature in it, that we all together might become the fullness of Christ, the hope of the world that you look at us and you see in us, God. Help us no longer to sit on the gifts of extreme value for the body. 
God, unearth the passions, unearth the giftings that have laid dormant for years or months. God, release them into your kingdom for your glory and for our good. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. There's going to be some folks at the crosses who would love to pray with you, whatever you're going through in your life. Maybe it's like, hey, I just I want to pray for a vision that God would just reveal what that is in my life. They'd love to pray with you or just whatever the need is today. Would you, would you come and let's uh, take the Lord's Supper and, and worship today?